Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dasius. This is 2023. We have uh, uh, our first episode for the year. Um, this episode is brought to you by Flipper. Flipper is the uh, number one marketplace to buy um, business online. So we have the CEO Blake with us today and we're going to have a great time. And let's uh, introduce our sponsor for today. Do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations? That's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today. For years, you've been feeling lost with no self-esteem or confidence. Deep inside, you know you can do better than what you see in the mirror. With the Eco Fitness Program, you can uncover your strength, energy, and power and your sense of self-worth. The coaches are dedicated to help every individual reach their goal. Call them now, 781-780-5577 or sign up online at eatallfitness.com. Is the number one marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. Flipper, flipper.com. If you want to sell your business, if you want to buy businesses, if you want to buy app, if you want to sell app, this is where you need to go. Flipper.com. We have Blake with us. Flipper.com. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Yes, uh, that's his FM, and we also have Flipper, Flipper.com. This is the number one, number one marketplace to get any business online. All right, like I said, we promise you we're going to have a great show. We have our guest with us today. Uh, this is Blake. Blake, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks very much for having me on the show. It's good to be here. All right. So we we have a special. This is a this is our podcast. Podcast for us is to know Blake, and and like your shirt say, making millionaires. So, what can you tell us about you, Blake? Um, well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, I'm, I'm very privileged to uh, lead our, our global team. I'm the CEO at, at Flipper um, and and Flipper represents business owners all over the world. They're, they're digital business owners, as you said. Uh, we're a marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. So I lead our global team um, and that global team is responsible for building our platform, which helps business owners sell their businesses as well as it does helps buy to buy those businesses Um, and we have a technology team we have a customer support team we have a marketplace integrity team Uh, we of course have a sales and marketing team spread throughout the world Um, our biggest markets um, are the US and the UK but we are truly global we have a global community no, that's, that's good to hear. So let's dive a little bit about yourself. And like we like to, it's uh, it's about you. So that's like a first, that's a glimpse, our audience, anybody who, who, who used to buy or you were actually a flipper, um, 
uh, member or they're using Flipper for their business, they're going to know this side of you. So can you share three most challenging events in your life and how did they challenge you? Yeah, I mean, I think the the first one I would share uh, relates to um, my experience being a founder of a, okay. a startup, um, and that not going so well, Eddie. So, yeah, um, wow. I ran that business for five and a half years. Um, we took on venture capital. Obviously, we had um, our staff base, and so therefore, you have responsibility to your staff base. You have your family and friends, and yeah. responsibilities you have to those people. So that would be number one, and and that didn't go so well. We ended up. Um, having to exit that business. And, and actually, it's a funny story because that's how I got to know Flipper the very first time. So uh, back in 2010, uh, sorry, 2015, I, yeah. I uh, tried to sell that business on Flipper. So that would be challenge number one. Um, I mean, I think challenge number two um, would just relate to a, a very simple one back when I was a lot younger of, of moving to the US from Australia. Um, and it's, you know, not as big a challenge as many people would face, but obviously um, when you when you move overseas as someone young, you're very impressionable. Um, you want to be successful in a, in a new land uh, with new challenges. And so that would be, that would be number two. And I'm, I've got no doubt that lots of people can, uh, resonate with that being a challenge, albeit also very exciting. <laughs> you're right, um, you're right. Like that. Um, and I think the third challenge, um, you know, I, I obviously take my career very seriously. So the third challenge probably relates to my current role as the CEO of Flipper and trying to build a global marketplace. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. You've got staff all over the world. They're reliant on, on a on a pay and a salary. Then you've got shareholders and, and they want you to build a great big business for them. And then, of course, you've got your customers all over the world and they expect yeah. you. So I actually find that to be a, a substantial challenge, Eddie. No, no, I, and I agree with you because I'm a business owner too. It's very challenging to make sure you grow your business, uh, keep your staff happy, you know, create that um, sense of security, and then the quality service for your customers. So yeah. that's that definitely is it. So let's let's go to your background. So let's go to early age. How was it for you growing up? Yeah, look, I um, I must admit I was. I was pretty um, privileged in the sense that I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. You can hear my very mm, big, yeah. big Australian accent, Eddie. So um, I was very privileged to grow up in Melbourne and, you know, um, we often say that you know if you get to grow up in Melbourne, you've already run, you've already won the lotto, right? Because um, it's a pretty it's a safe place to grow up. It's a um, um, it's a clean place to grow up. The quality of education is good. Quality is good. Um, yeah. Education is affordable. Healthcare is um, affordable, if not free. Um, so you know that I, I started out here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've travelled a lot and experienced a lot. So um, starting my own business uh, was was a real was probably one of the most substantial memories I have as a young as a young man. But from yeah. a childhood standpoint, I think you know my most mem- my most favourite memory is is really just the family holidays. Um, mm, wow! Today in, Australia, <laughs> um, today in Melbourne, Eddie, it's going to be thirty seven degrees Celsius, which is about one hundred and ten degrees, right? So yeah, um, 
I remember those memories of hot Australian summer days with the family. And that gives you, you know, those great memories give you the confidence to grow into um, into um, positive, positive role models for your own kids or positive role models for the community. And so, yeah, I, I think that my favourite childhood memories relate to family holidays. Uh, and 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 thank you for sharing. We always appreciate um, our guests when they really take us back to their um, to their upbringing. And hearing this make it like feel like you had a great childhood. Yeah, I, I think um, probably my favorite memory is you know I love experiencing new people and new places. So mm. I think it was really the first time I ever went overseas on an aeroplane. Right, that that was my favorite memory and. We went from here in Australia to Hawaii, and it you know wasn't. Oh wow! It's not a it's not a crazy distance. Um, <laughs> well, it's a pretty crazy distance actually. Um, it's not a crazy culture shock, um, and it's probably a trip that you know lots lots of people had done. But for for a, as a kid, getting on a getting on an airplane. Uh, flying a long haul, getting off the other side, um, on the other side of the world in uh, the northern northern hemisphere, and um, it's experiencing a new community of people for the very first time. I would have to say that that um, that changed a lot for me. Um, it made me appreciate other places, other yeah. cultures. Other yeah. <laughs> um, so that that insatiable appetite for travel has never changed as a result. Did did you remember where you stayed? Which island you stayed at? Um, we went to two islands. We went to Oahu and to Maui. Oh man, Maui's my yeah. So I went to Maui for my honeymoon, and that was a blast. Yeah. You know, that was a blast. So Blake, and I, I had a sense that you are a well accomplished um, person. And which what was the best compliment you ever gotten? Yeah, so the best compliment I've ever gotten um, relates to me being a leader um, mm. and people appreciating me as a leader. And so the compliment was uh, we were I was running a very fast growing business. Um, we were doing three or three to three hundred and fifty million dollars in in revenue. And um, the compliment I received uh, was from a, a gentleman who he came up to me and he said, what I love about you is no matter how busy you are, no matter who comes up to you within the business and asks for your help, your assistant or your counsel, um, you will always immediately say yes and find that time wow. to, for us to be heard, for us to be listened to and for us to be consulted with. Um, and that that's that's the best compliment ever. And I still think today that if you can turn around to whoever it is in your life and give them that time and energy, yeah. um, they want and expect of you. Um, that's, that's a, that's a great thing to be able to, to give back. And I, I will follow with this question. So if you had to assess yourself, so what, what, what type of leader you think you are? Yeah. So, I, you know, as much as I, I try not to be Eddie. I, you know, I'm pretty intense. I, I like things to to happen and happen very quickly. And so, yeah. I think the first thing I would say is I'm very decisive. So I don't make people wait. Um, okay. I make decisions very very quickly, and I think that that's helpful for everyone to understand direction. 
Um, the second thing I would say is um, I'm extraordinarily hands-on. So my view is that I'm a servant to other people and their ability to succeed. And so I want people to ask for help so that I can give them help today so that tomorrow is a bit easier for them and for us as a company. So I would say that I'm a servant uh, to my staff. Um, and the third thing I would say is, um, you know, I'm never, ever comfortable as a leader. And so oh. what that means is I have yeah. an anxiety to me around how we get better all the time. And so we, you know, I have an expectation that people perform. Makes sense. That's, that's a, a tough thing for some people, but I think it's helpful for people to have that level of um, energy around. Energy. Yeah, no, makes sense. Uh, let's go back to, to you being Blake. I'm picturing Blake in high school. What was your dream job in high school? And so this is a three-phase three question. What, what was your dream job in high school, in college, and now? So this is such a boring answer from me so my my dream job in high school uh was to be a lawyer but okay i had no idea what that meant right okay makes sense. like many high school students and so the problem is that still today you see these traditional jobs jobs yeah on a pedestal yeah uh, everywhere from hollywood to the local community right doctors lawyers it's still the same narrative for the most part isn't it and so um, very boring answer for you, Eddie, but I, my dream job was to be a lawyer. I couldn't think of anything worse than being a lawyer right now, I must say, but that's that's just me. That's <laughs> in, college, um, in college, I started to have um, a, a bigger, a better sense of um, entrepreneurship and, and creating businesses and starting businesses that solve problems. Mm. So I didn't know what, what that would become, but I had a view that I would experience the world and experience enough different organizations in different types of categories. Um, like I've yeah. worked in publishing, I've worked in accounting software, I've worked in e-commerce, I've worked in the travel industry. You know, it's I started to think about entrepreneurship. And so that's not really a dream job, but I certainly had a view that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Now my, my dream job, I'm doing it. <laughs> I get to help business owners sell their businesses. Yeah. The best thing about that, Eddie, is when you sell someone's online business, you actually made a moment that matters to them forever because you can yes. sell business for $25,000. You can sell someone's business for $2.5 million. You can sell someone's business for $25 million. It doesn't matter. The fact that they're receiving a cash check for the hard-earned effort that they're putting mm. on business, they're perspective is now different and forever they can say that they've sold a business and that's a skill many people don't have and Flipper makes that possible. And so my dream job is now because of how many great moments we make. Moment, yeah. So if you had to, okay, what one thing you wish you knew before you started your career? Like, is, is there anything you, you wish you knew before you started this great career of yours? Uh, yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is that it's really bumpy. And most people, you know, when you're, when you're a teenager, 
or you're a high school student, because a lot of people, in particular your parents, are unlikely to share how bumpy it might be. Yes. Um, I think you have this perspective that the careers are meant to be very linear. Mm. Um, and they're not. So the one thing I would tell myself is that it's bumpy and therefore all of the all of the times you get knocked down, they feel really bad, but in reality they're not that bad and you can keep on getting up. Wow. Great, great, great to hear. And that's ex ex exactly what people said from this podcast where they're talking about things they wish they knew before they started the career. So let, let's go to, like I mentioned, um, you you wear many hats. and But I might, I might guess this question, this answer. <laughs> Which of your accomplishments you are the proudest? Let me ask this this way. Um, look, I think I'm going to say I'm proudest of my ability to navigate multiple industries so that I have a rounded view of the the world, at least from an um, organizational standpoint. Okay. And so a lot of people have asked me, the reason I say that, Eddie, is because a lot of people have asked me how I did that. A lot of people have said, how do you have a career change? How do you change industries? Mm. Right? A lot of people find that really difficult. Yes. And so having heard of how many people who say, well, I'm doing this now, but I'd like to do this instead, I've essentially changed uh, industries with almost every job. I've essentially changed industries every four years. Um, and I've done that now for 25 years or 22 years. So the um, thing I'm most proud of is my ability to successfully navigate different industries and, and still find enormous growth. Wow. But um, would you say... Let's say you had to give somebody advice now, like somebody you, and I think you probably do with uh, all your, like people you meet, which which uh, advice, like piece of advice you will give somebody who's studying the career or who want to be somebody, who want to be someone like you who, who's in entrepreneurship, who's looking for the next uh, opportunity? What advice would you give them? The, the advice that I would say is um, don't worry the job you're doing, worry about the impact you're having. And so wow. what I've always done is I've asked my manager or my boss, what are the problems you have? Can I help you solve them? And what is it you want me to do to have the most impact? impact on the customer, impact on our revenue, impact on whatever it is, the project. And so if you can orientate the way you work to impact, mm. then you will tend to find that you are the first person people think about when they think about new opportunities, when they think about new projects, when they think about promotions, when they think about pay rises. You rise to the top of the list when you have an impact. Wow, let, let, let me challenge you on this. Yes. Why is why is impact is so important? Impact is so important in business because most businesses will live and die by their revenue and yeah. their profit performance. Mm. And so, in businesses, there are actually lots of projects, 
lots of interesting things going on that won't always have a direct correlation to business performance and impact. Okay. If you can get closer to those projects, particularly in challenging markets like we're in right now and are likely to go through for the next 12 to 24 months where there might be uh, layoffs across multiple different industries um, where the recession may have an impact. Yeah. What you want to do is orientate yourself to a business's financial performance Mm. because if you can do that, you are less likely to succumb to pressures that that business may have. Um, And so impact is important because businesses need to make money to stay alive, to keep their customers happy Happy. and to remain employed. And so a lot of people um, try to think about themselves in a small box related to the small Uh, to the levels of work that they do. What you have to do is ask people within the organization which pieces of your work are most important for the business and then do those pieces really well. Mm, Wow, well said. And I agree. This is great to hear from Blake. So like I said, this episode is brought to you by Flipper. Flipper is the number one marketplace if you are looking to buy or sell your business online. So Blake, let's 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 go to this question because I feel like people um especially when they start their career they might feel uh, there's something called imposter syndrome. Yes. Where they don't feel like they don't belong or they feel like they're not, they're not ready or they're not, um, they're not uh, smart enough. Yes. When was, when did, okay. Have you ever experienced this? Yes. Right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, being the, being the CEO of a, a, a fast growth tech company, you, you often look at those businesses and you say to yourself, wow, wouldn't it be great to be in one of those? Wouldn't it be great to run one of those? Wouldn't it be great to be a senior leader within one of those? And so right now I'm privileged with that opportunity. But, yes, I I feel imposter syndrome all the time. So what allow you to go forward or keep going? Because uh, for some people this might be a big issue or might affect their ability to be effective. So what allow you to to keep grounding and to help you keep going? So we all need feedback positively or negatively. And the problem is most people don't ask for it, right? Yeah. And so I've only met a few people in my career who are really good at giving feedback on a regular basis that is constructive and helpful. Mm. And as a result of that, what I encourage people who have imposter syndrome to do is to ask for feedback. Because if you, if you are really good at what you do, and actually most people who suffer imposter syndrome are good at what they do, they wouldn't they wouldn't actually be suffering so, if they yeah. got to that position, right? So the key for me is to actually consistently seek out feedback and explain to people that you want to know um, whether you're doing a good job by them, whether you're doing a good job 
in the eyes of the, in my case, the board and the shareholders and my staff and team and our customer feedback and these types of things. So I read our customer feedback. I take it personally. I ask our staff all the time for feedback. Can I do something better? Can I do something for you to help? I ask our board, can you please provide feedback right now? I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative. The point being is you can reflect on that to improve yourself and yeah. over time, that imposter syndrome fatigue starts yeah. to um, expire because yeah. you've gotten enough perspective on what you're doing well. Um, and I think you did a great job. This this is definitely great to hear, and I think your answer will resonate to a lot of our audience. Who has been your most important mentor, professional mentor? Because as leaders, we don't hear that, you know, so this is this is great for Divine Purpose Podcast to have a chance to interview a CEO of a big company. But we don't hear that part of, oh, I have mentors. I have people I would like to. So who have, who have been that person on your as a cornerstone to kind of guide you to where you want to be? You know, what I find um, mentorship and finding mentors um, really difficult and I must admit I've always struggled with the idea of, of having mentors because I think that they're, they're really good at a, at a moment in time but they're unlikely to be a career long. Yes. I mean, I would say... Um, Right now, I'm, I'm heavily reliant on the advisory of our board members. So they're two founders, Matt and Mark, and our, um, our, our chairman, Andrew, and then our Series A investor. Um, okay. And so are they mentors? No, they're not. But I'm heavily reliant on their counsel. Mm. And so um, unfortunately, it's, it's not a good answer for you because I don't think I have one most important professional mentor. Okay. I think at certain stages in my career, I've been reliant on different people and their their advice. Okay. And so, my first boss out of university or college was was really important. Now he he wouldn't have seen himself as a mentor. Um, he would have seen himself as my boss. But the reality is, he was positive. He was constructive. He gave me important work. He explained the importance of that work. Yeah. And so I think that when you think about a professional mentor, it actually comes down to their ability to communicate what you need at any given time. Um, and so if you're looking for a mentor out there, find someone who's going to actively invest time and energy because sometimes you knock on the door and you ask for a mentor. Yeah. And actually, they might be outstanding, but they're not great at spending time with you in your context. And no, so what I would encourage people to do um, is find someone who actually understands their context and is willing to invest that time with them and have active conversations because otherwise you're always trying to draw out from your mentor and it needs to be it needs to be more um, two-way. Wow. And I think you, you kind of uh, did a great job by 
going into this lamp and this is kind of a feedback for me to with you because now talking to a CEO you have to make sure you know <laughs> that level of uh, mentorship it might not be applicable so how important is it for you Blake to succeed because uh, the reason I, I like to ask this question and I, and I take you really to it when you said as a leader you don't feel settled you always not under pressure but you always want the next challenge how important yeah. for you it's like a success uh, very um, I, I find it really hard to define success uh, as I'm sure lots of people do but it's very important to me um, I'm driven by uh, the pursuit of success. Now, as I said, I don't know what that looks like um, in a perfect world, but success for me right now is is consistent year-on-year growth for the company I run. So I'm obsessed by driving 100% year-on-year growth every year. Um, and that obsession uh, drives me to get better all the time. So you have to decide what you think success looks like. So success can be getting a particular job. The problem with that is, um, or running a business of a certain size, the problem with it is if you actually pursue success in the first place, you'll kind of never be satisfied, right? So as soon as you get that job, as soon as you make that amount of money, as soon as you buy that house, as soon as you get that car, as soon as you buy that T-shirt, whatever it might be, um, you you tend to have a want and desire to do something else. Yes. Um, and it can be really humble. Like that's the greatest thing about it, right? It can be success can be extraordinarily humble. But if you pursue success, regardless of what form it comes in, inevitably, once you've achieved, you'll you'll end up wanting to achieve something more and something else. And this is great. Uh, we get into our mark for a uh, break. So we're going to have a break with... Um, Blake, thank you for the time, but we will come back with Blake um, for more on Flipper. Flipper, let's check out flipper.com. If you, that's the number one marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. Is the number one marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. Flipper, flipper.com. If you want to sell your business, if you want to buy businesses, if you want to buy app, if you want to sell app, this is where you need to go. Flipper.com. We have Blake with us. Flipper.com. Thank you for sponsoring in this podcast. For years, you've been feeling lost with no self-esteem or confidence. Deep inside, you know you can do better than what you see in the mirror. With the Eco Fitness Program, you can uncover your strength, energy, and power and your sense of self-worth. The coaches are dedicated to help every individual reach their goal. Call them now, 781-780-5577 or sign up online at eatallfitness.com. Like I said, we're excited, very excited to have Blake and we're back to to uh, more for more questions. So now we're going to we're going to be dedicating this last uh, half hour to Flipper. All right. So you're going to take us. Are you 
like um you you have the the mic you take us wherever you want to be in terms of um telling us about free power all that started and i think you just mentioned you sell a few business on Flipper, right so i've sold one business on Flipper. yes i have yes um that's wow. not as impressive as some people who have sold 10 and 20 and 30 uh but yes i've sold one. Oh wow that's great so let's let's go with um why Flipper and how did this start in? yeah so uh it's really interesting uh, 13 years ago uh there was a, a small community called site point yeah um and site point site point was a community of of developers engineers um entrepreneurs and and they were essentially learning to code and exchanging code um so code being the the code that you use to build a, a website or a technology yeah and uh what the founders noticed is that the community was actually in a forum talking to each other and actually exchanging ideas and trading assets um, and they were doing that without infrastructure um, and so they created uh, flipper to service a need so initially it just became an area of the community and then it spun out into a standalone business called flipper and so in the beginning uh, people were trading digital assets and they were they were inexpensive digital assets so they were um, templates um, code bases uh, small apps and, and blogs and things like that uh, but of course 13 years ago the the digital ecosystem wasn't as um, big and as exciting as it is right now so over time flippers platform has evolved uh, into servicing businesses um, as, as big as $50 million, as high as $50 million. Um, and so things have changed a lot. But yes, it started from very humble beginnings. And often a lot of great business stories come out of communities who ask you for things. And Flip is an example of that. So, and this is what people can see if they go on flipper.com. This is a great website. And I think people will find a way into investing. But, um, how did you change the, the vision or maybe take Philip up to what they were in the beginning to what they are now? Or was yeah. it in what was the transition look like? Yeah, that's a really important question. Um, I would say that Flipper was a really great technology company, but it wasn't a great um, customer first company. Mm. So uh, we had a technology, we had a platform, we had a community that used that. Um, but there wasn't really anyone to help you do what you wanted to do on the platform. And so first thing I did was try to understand what customers were trying to achieve. Now, that sounds obvious. People who are looking to sell their online businesses, they're looking to sell. People who are buying online businesses are looking to buy. Um, yeah. But really, when you get down to um, it, it's a, it's a lot more complex than that, right? People are actually looking to get a valuation initially and understand whether their business is actually worth what they think it's worth. Yeah. Um, they're looking to... For the, for the process to be made simple because selling a business is hard and foreign to people. Um, so they're looking for ways in which 
to streamline that process. And so we started to build data connection into our business. So you can connect your Google Analytics or your Shopify account. You can connect uh, your AdMob account or, or anything with Shopify, etc. So that, that makes it a lot easier. Buyers, on the other hand, were looking to understand that a business was good quality or not. So mm. come up with quality score. We started to verify the assets. And then finally, we added human level advisory. So we actually stuck a great uh, number of people um, who have experience buying and selling businesses on top of the platform to help our customers get deals done. And so we now, yes, we have the technology and that underpins everything we do, but we now have the people on top of it. And so what I did when evolving the, the vision was to talk about the two types of customers we wanted to represent. So high quality business owners. So we had to define what a high quality business owner uh, was. And then acquisition fit buyers. So acquisition fit, there's a lot of people who say I wanna buy a business. Yeah. When I evolved the vision, I said, well, we need to actually figure out in this large community, who are the people who are um, likely to buy and yeah. what they need to, to go on to buy. So due diligence services, financing, all of the types of services that you could expect someone wants when they go and buy a business. So for me, it was about evolving from tech to customer centricity um, and from being a platform which wasn't perceived to provide you help to a platform which was perceived to provide you all the help you needed. So uh, this is a quick, uh, like a trick question. What was your biggest sale on Flipper? The biggest sale last year was a $35 million uh, sale okay. on app, an iOS and Android app. So Uh, on your phone, you have all these apps, right? Yeah. And uh, the biggest one we sold for the year was a $35 million app. Wow. That's great. So, um, we, how can people get, so can you take us to the process? So, like, like I said, um, people who are not familiar with Flipper, or they can get to it and, and get the ball rolling and start investing or buying or selling. Yep. So, um, so go to flipper.com. The first thing I would encourage people to do is, um, is write down their skills. So what are you good at? Are you good at writing content? Are you good at editing images? Are you good at mm. buying, buying product? Are you good at, um, making candles? Are you good at, what is it you're good at? Write down what you're good at. Okay. Your skills. Once you write down your skills, you can then orientate to a certain business model. So if you're good at writing content, like articles and things, you might be in a good position to buy a content website. If you're good at buying product, if you're a really good salesperson, um, if you have some logistics experience, those types of things, um, perhaps e-commerce is a good fit for you. So yeah. you're trying to match your skills with business models. And so the business models that we represent are e-commerce, um, subscription, software as a service, uh, content and advertising, and then, of course, apps. And apps can make money in, in multiple different ways. But um, that would be the first way I would think about it. The second thing I would do is I would um, browse Flipper and look at businesses which match up to those skills and that business model. And I would just stare at them. I wouldn't buy them. I would stare at them. And I would try to get a feel for what the business owners talk about and see if you can start to understand how those businesses make money and what makes them tick. Let's say for argument's sake, you're ready to, to buy and you think you have a $50,000 budget. First of all, 
I want you to divide that by 10. So for whatever budget you have, I want you to divide it by 10. Because if you're making your first ever acquisition, you actually want to go in firstly with less risk. Yes. And more upside. Mm. And you want your potential losses to be something that you can absorb. Now, most people don't lose. Most people win, hence the nature of us being a platform with lots of people coming back and buying and selling multiple times. But the point is, if you've never done it before, it's a little bit like buying a a property and wanting to renovate that property and make a return on the the rental market for that property. Um, Or it's like buying stocks for the first time. We are actually talking about an asset. A business is an asset. Asset, yes. You you have to imagine yourself uh, running that asset and being able to achieve what the prior business owner has been able to achieve. So that if they were able to achieve $5,000 a month in revenue, all you're trying to do is achieve exactly what they were trying to achieve. And you can do that for the first year. Once you've gotten through the first year of consistent performance at about the same level as the prior business owner, now you can think about optimizing for growth. This is not a slow, this is not a fast, this is not a get rich quick scheme, right? (laughs) This is about making a very dedicated decision to running a business and operating that business at at least the performance of the prior owner and then over time making it better and better. Wow. You couldn't say the more. Um, So now let let me go with this question because I feel like um, as a, as business owner, who who evaluate the business? So if somebody have a business and they want to sell a million dollars, like like they have like a website and they de- so who decide the value of the business? So there's uh, there's two things. Uh, the first thing is uh, Flipper will value the business, um, and we will do that using our historical sales data. Okay. Um, And so we have lots of sales history. So we can take that sales history a bit like in the real estate market and we can then give you that to inform uh, the valuation of your business. And most people will use that as a a guide. Um, But the business owner ultimately decides within our guidelines what they want to price their business at. And then... To answer your question, who decides the ultimate value of the business? Buyers decide the ultimate value of the business. Okay. You may think your business is worth $100,000. But if the market is saying it's worth $120,000 or the market is saying it's worth $90,000, the buying base on Flipper will tell you because we have a huge buying community. They have a lot of history doing this. And ultimately, your business is dependent on... um, its revenue performance, its profit performance, its opportunities, and then whether a buyer imagined themselves buying your business and achieving what they set out to achieve. And so a lot of people will say, well, my business got all these different opportunities in it and therefore it could be really big. Mm. That's You can't value that. You can't value the probability of being really big. That's for startups to do. Yeah. The startups can sell a big um, 
vision with a massive target addressable market and crazy amounts of opportunity and convince someone to invest in its long-term opportunity. Okay. But as a, as a buyer of a business, I want it to perform today, okay? Yeah. Uh, because I want a return on my investment. So the critical thing is a buyer will pay for performance. They look for opportunity, but they pay for performance. Performance. Buyer decides the ultimate value. All right, so I think this is time for Hot Topic. Hot Topic is a segment where we talk about a question people would have a chance to ask Blake today. Um, let's go with Hot Topic. topics with Blake, um, the CEO of Flipper. So Blake, how long does it take for me to get my money? <laughs> when I, when I well, sell the business, you know? Money. So if you're selling a business on Flipper, the, the average sale time is about three months. Okay. Okay. Um, now some assets, um, that are less expensive, maybe up to $50,000, they can sell within 24 or 48 hours because there's okay. lots of people who want them. Um, but an asset that is selling for half a million dollars, a million dollars, $5 million, you know, inevitably buyers will conduct a huge amount of due diligence and understanding and uh, try to get an understanding of the performance. And therefore, it takes a little bit longer to sell a bigger business. Okay. Um, so... Who are the number one um, competitor to Flipper? Yeah, there's lots of places. We won't mention them because I don't. No, no, no. You to, don't. No, um, you don't have to give them free. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. But there's, there's uh, lots of. Um, I let think me ask lots this of question. This now buy and sell businesses. Um, but you know, I think that the the most important thing is um, does the company you're choosing to work with um, have the technology and the advisory skill to give you the best possible chance of selling in the fastest possible time yeah. for the highest amount of money. And then once they achieve that for you, is what they are asking for in return reasonable. And so what Flipper says is um, the facts are we have more buyers than anyone else. Mm. We can match you to those buyers faster and we can do all of that and ultimately sell your business for the price you want at a reasonable price. And so we take a success fee when you sell, so it's a contingent-based pricing model. Um, but of course, yeah, there's you know there's lots of places you can sell sell online businesses for sure. And let's say you're because with our audience and you you had an audience like people ready to to be on Flipper now. And what can you tell them that will make them take Flipper um, versus getting somebody else or another website? What would be the unique reason they have to yeah, choose I mean, Flipper? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one is um, access to the world's largest buyer pool for digital assets and online businesses. And so you're more likely to find a match and then the price, right? So most, um, if you sell through um, a broker that we are not in partnership with, most of them will charge you double um, what Flipper charges. And so uh, two reasons, one, access to buyers 
and three uh, and two, uh, the price you will pay to sell is a lot less. Do you think? So, how do you see the future with Flipper? Yeah, so we like to. Um, our vision is to become the investment bank for the ninety-nine percent. And so there's lots of people who will support big business owners, right? We see them all over the web. We see them on the front of magazine covers. They don't need more help, right? Um, Our vision is to provide all of the uh, assistance, services, um, and technology that businesses of all sizes require to be able to sell. And so uh, the investment bank for the 99% is our vision. And what that means is continually adding the services uh, and the advisory and the ability to match at scale that business owners all over the world need, regardless of where they um, operate, regardless of the platform they choose. And so what we see is a frictionless environment Um, that basically makes buying and selling businesses as easy as buying and selling a car or a house. Okay. So can you share a few challenging you guys are are seeing? uh, Because we're looking at the... Okay, let me let me phrase that question like this. You know, AI is the new <laughs> the new norm now and everybody's like that's a, that's the trend. Everybody want AI. So, looking at the vernacular in the future, so what is Flipas doing of the new software going on? Yeah. I think there's a few things. So, so one um we we are playing around with with AI as a function of um, providing multi-language support for our marketplace. So if you have a French language buyer um, or seller, they should be able to use Flipper uh, seamlessly. And at the moment they can't because it's in English. So the first thing we've done is, uh, you know, we've used chat, ChatGPT to translate our valuation experience into 50 different languages. And so in the past, that would take you a long time, right? Yeah. Um, But now we have a valuation bot, uh, which will help business owners all over the world, regardless of the language they speak, uh, to get an instant, uh, accurate valuation. Valuation. So that's that's kind of piece number one. Piece number two relates to uh, buyer matching. So... We have so many buyers coming into Flipper and they're looking at so many different things. They're buying so many different things. Their characteristics are all unique. And so what we're investing in right now is what we call, um, you know, AI or programmatic matching. So the ability to match a seller with a buyer uh, without having to have any any human influence Mm. uh, based on our ability, our software's ability to predict, predict what, yeah. they, what, what they might like. So that's that's where we're starting out. It really relates to valuations and matching. And, and that sounds great. And that's showing to our audience that Flipa is in, involving and looking for the future too. So this question will basically focus on you as the CEO and to kind of share the light because I feel like people need to understand and most people are looking for culture. What is the culture of Flipper? Yeah, it's a great question. So what we often start with is um, 
very smart, very nice people, and so we're humble. So everyone who we recruit, there's the it's a minimum level expectation that you are smart, that you are hardworking, that you want to have an impact. Okay, um, so that's it. That's an assumption. That's a given. Um, but then, are you humble? Are you mm. a nice person? Are you the type of person that people want to be around so that you can get the best out of yourself and so that you can give yourself to others to help them get the best out of themselves? So what we say is, first and foremost, non-negotiable, smart and nice. Um, the, 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 the third thing we orientate to is impact focus. So we spoke about this, right? And that is your ability to speak up whenever you want to say, um, is what I'm working on having the most amount of impact for our users, for our customers? Um, and so therefore we're a culture that, that collaborates, that speaks up and decides collectively whether it's the right thing to work on. Um, and I hope, hopefully that gives you a sense of the culture. And well said, and that's, that was great to hear because I feel like, uh, if, uh, vision or value of a company is clear that can attract people. Um, so looking at, you said that, um, Flipper is mostly it's around the world, but it's mainly in the UK and the U S. So which market you looking at? You looking for to concur? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, you know, clearly the the US and the UK are very substantial for us and we'll continue to invest there. I think Europe is the market where we're likely to expand um, into next with uh, our ability to find the types of people who we think will, will, will fit the flipper culture and can join us um, to do work. Uh, we also know that there's certain markets that have come to Flipper but they haven't necessarily had the support they want. So we found that European markets like Spain, France, Italy, Germany, Estonia, places like this have come to Flipper for a very long time. And so we're we're orientating to where our community is already voting uh, in in numbers to have the support. And so we're we're going to add some advisory um, talent, some broker talent um, in the European market next. Wow, that was well said, Blake. We really appreciate Blake is the CEO of Flipper and we had a great chance to have him today. Uh, is there a question you wish I asked you today? Not really. It was pretty comprehensive, Eddie. I, uh, again, I th thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, if anyone's looking to to find me, you can get me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people. Ask me any question you want. Uh, but no, Eddie, I think it was very comprehensive. All right. So last word for you, Blake. Uh, thanks again. Um, come to flipper.com, get a valuation. You can see it. That's very easy. Browse all the listings, learn a lot from what people are selling and buying, and that's the best way to get started. Don't jump in too quick. Um, get excited. Um, understand your skills and what you can add to a business before you might buy one. Um, but reach out, and, and I'm here to help. Um, there's a question I wish I asked you. It's just... Um in your free time, what do you do? If if I let's say you're not working, what what will I see? What will I find you doing in Australia? 
So you'll find me uh, hanging out with with my wife and my daughter, um, spending a lot of time. It's summer in Australia right now, so I'm spending a lot of time um, with my daughter at the swimming pool, um, helping her to learn how to swim because it's just an important life skill, I think. Yeah. Um, so helping her to swim. Uh, she's only two and a half, so she's learning to ride the scooter for the first time, so helping her do that. Uh, going for a run, um, playing a little bit of golf if I can find some time to get out on the course. I'm a very bad golfer, um, but I think it's one of the great sports for mental health because um, it's so difficult that your mind is um, completely focused on hitting the ball each time and doing that well, uh, that it gets your mind out of the, the gutter and out of anything else it's working on. So, yeah, a bit of golf and, and mostly time with my wife and daughter. Any favorite book, favorite movies you will share with us? Um, you know what I watched the other day? I'm, I don't think it's a feel-good movie, uh, but I think there's a lot of great life lessons in it. Um, there's a movie called uh, Swimmers or The Swimmers, uh, and it's about um, some uh, two young girls who are very, very capable swimmers um, who make their way from uh, war-torn Serbia um, into um, into Greece and into on onto Germany. Um, and it's a really, really, firstly gut wrenching, but then heartwarming tale of um, how important resilience is in in your life. So if you haven't seen that, it's called uh, the Swimmers. Swimmers, ah, we'll check it out. Uh, somebody's looking to work with Flipper. Is there anywhere they can find job to be part of the Flipper community? Yeah, uh, go to flipper.com. Um, on the bottom of our, our web page there, you'll see um, our about page and our careers page. Um, check it out. Uh, we're hiring for a team in our Austin office, um, Austin, Texas, uh, hiring for people in Melbourne, Australia, um, and hiring for people in, in Europe as well. So the first first point of reference is, is our careers page. All right. So, Blake, appreciate it. And, and I think we had a great time today with you. Um, this is Divine Perfect Podcast. We we had a Blake with us today on CEO Flipper, Flipper.com. Um, if you want to, that's the number one marketplace to sell and buy your business. Um, this is great. And we really had a great time. Thank you, Blake, for your time. And I know uh, I'm, it's morning, right? <laughs> But it's yeah, nice. Yeah, 10, 10 a.m. here and uh, Uh, must be 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. where you are. So, yeah. so thanks for being, the, uh, being with me late, late, uh, late your time. Uh, no problem. Appreciate it. Thank you.